I'm going to be moderating this panel with a bunch of cool indie people. Uh, so let's start off by everyone going down the line and introducing themselves. Uh, so we three, we three. Yeah. There, so do name first. You, you know your studio and what you're okay. working on. Uh, all right. So you all the way at the end. You start first. Name first, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Whatever. All right, Mix I'm, it up. Uh, I don't care. All right. I'm Nathan. Uh, I'm from uh, Analog Data. Uh, I own intro. Yes. Sorry. Give me one second. Uh, everybody, there is a, one a quick announcement. There's a blue Honda SUV I knew it was license plate. Is illegally parked. You might get towed soon. So uh -oh. go to the info booth, please, like ASAP. Hey, while you're announcing that, can you tell everybody that the indie game panel's going on? Cause like, where's the indie game panel's going on, people. Get over here. If you want to come on over here, it's the indie game panel going on right now. Indie game panel, main stage. Thank you. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, dude. All right, let's try that again. They went to a different right. main stage. That was a problem. Thank, all right, you. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, so uh, again, I'm Nathan. I'm from Analog Data and my own entre entrepreneurship. Um, I am working on a game called Hypertanks. Hypertanks and Vector Boy. What are you looking at me like that for? I forgot it was called Hypertanks. It's okay. It's okay. So it's like a vector, like 80s game with tanks, synthwave, if you know what that synthwave is, trance, awesome music. It's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm Adam Agro. I'm from uh, Solanimous. We're working on Signal and Noise. And uh, if you want to know any more about it, you can go play it because we have a booth right over there. So just go play it. It's a rhythm based rail shooter. You can play it to your own songs or even podcasts. Or you can even play live music. So when 8-Bit Disaster comes out here, you can plug it up and play to 8-Bit Disaster. By the way, we got a ruckus in Apex now. So if you guys can play that ruckus, it's a lot closer to me, I'm just saying. So uh, yeah, so go check out Signal Noise right over here. Hi, my name is Dorothy Phoenix, and um, I'm part of the, uh, I am the one woman show at Cloudy Heaven Games. Uh, right now, I'm working on a couple of smaller demos of, of Mostly like casual mobile and PC games, you know, still trying to really learn about mobile games and whatnot. Um, and then hopefully moving on to bigger projects soon. That's probably at least some bad feedback. Just use that mic. Okay, hello. I'm Sam Kushner, and I'm with Perfect Square Studios, where I do all the programming. And we have um, a team of... Uh, two other artists and a QA person, and we have made a horror game, and now we're working on a match three puzzle game, and also a roguelike bullet hell game, which we have two of the three we're showing off at our booth. Um, so I do most of the programming. That's my specialty. Yeah, like I said before, my name is Dylan Alvento. I'm the co-founder of Ward Games, and we're showing off Peak over here, which is we describe as a puzzle runner, but it's kind of like an infinite runner meets a uh, puzzle game where instead of controlling the character, you control parts of the level. Um, and like Sam, I'm kind of lead programmer on our stuff as, as well. Hey, my name is uh, Victor Slaughter. I'm with Vandal Entertainment Studios, and we're working on three major projects right now. They're a card game, a board game, and a role play system. Um, and we are set up right on the other side of the black curtain right here. And we're demoing the card game pretty much all day long. The board game, we have set hours for it. You can go to the booth to figure out those and to sign up for that. And then tonight, it's 7 o'clock. Somewhere in like the free-to-play area, we're not exactly sure where we're going to set up. But you can look for us. We're all in the blue shirts like this. Uh, we're going to be playing. Like this. Not this one. Yeah, it's that, got that the one. V-E, V-E. Not yeah. the W. That, There's that three one. of us. 
Um, but we're going to be playing a three-hour-long session of our role-play system. Um, and just to give you a brief uh, rundown on it, it's a very uh, uh, intense role-play system in the sense of it's highly likely, if you're not careful, for your character to lose their arm or worse. So uh, that's what we're doing, and I'm excited to be on the panel and answer any questions y'all have. If you don't want to lose your arm, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm a Unity developer for the last three years, co-founder at DEF CON Games. Uh, right now, we're based out of DC. We're working on a team uh, that's virtual across the nation, uh, across the planet. Uh, Chris right here is in, in Raleigh area. We have a sound designer over in London. And we're also, if you're interested, we're getting feelers out for other developers and designers um, in the area. So uh, talk to us afterwards. We have our first major release, Dead Dots, which is scheduled for release on April 4th. And you can play it beforehand right here, uh, today or tomorrow. Um, maybe not today, unless you catch us real quick afterwards. But um, so that's it. Thanks. Yeah, and like Matt said, I'm Chris. Uh, I'm like the project manager of our group. so. Pretty much direct Matt and our designers on what we need done, when we need it done, try to organize all of our stuff. Because um, like Matt said, our team is across the globe. We got designers in Florida, programmers in D.C. I'm in Greenville area. We got our sound guy in London. So we're all over the place. So it's kind of a, kind of a, a crazy thing trying to get everybody on the same page working like that. All right, cool. So that's everyone. Um, there's a lot of people on this stage. So I have a couple questions written up, and we can go through a couple of them, and then we can open it up to questions out here. So I was looking at some of these. Since we're all here, we're all sh showing at a show, um, I was kind of curious what, uh, not everyone's, obviously, because of the rule I just put out, but if, dude, what's your goal out of coming here? Is your goal, a lot of people are talking about, you know, you're talking about like professional, you say you're a Unity developer, things like that. Like, is everyone's goal here to make money at this? Is everyone's goal here just to show off? Dorothy, I think your stuff specializes kind of in education, if I'm getting that correct, or it does a lot of education stuff. And you can kind of go into that. But like my question here is like, what do you hope to achieve of being here? And do you think you're going to just meet that goal? Man. All right, sure, the people with the mics can go first. Okay. So um, I think for me, uh, one of the biggest things is I'm here to learn um, because um, mobile development is really kind of new to me. I'm always uh, the type who, you know, I grew up with a Nintendo controller. Um, I then started playing on like PC games and whatnot, and um, things are a little bit different with mobile games. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to get used to that and whatnot. And not everybody is like me and likes to read instruction manuals. So. Um, I have to find other ways to teach people things. So, you know, there's kind of like that UI and u uh, user experience thing. And, you know, for me, who's more of a pure programmer, that's kind of new to me. I'm also here to hopefully help other people and teach other people, too. Um, uh, Dylan mentioned that um, education is a big component. Um, I would like to make money off of my games, but I think at this point, I'm a much better teacher. Um, so if I can use my games to help teach people, okay, see, this is how I did so-and-so, you know, if you want to do something like this, here's the process you can take, then that's great as well. So that's what I'm here for. Okay, so um, 
we're still in pre-production. None of our games are on the market at this point. So our biggest goal for coming here is for the first time to really kind of display it to the public eye. Um, and that allows us to not just get the biased feedback from our friends and say, oh, yeah, your game's fun, your game's fun. And instead we can come here and people can give us very honest feedback. And when they tell us that the game is fun, we can believe them that the game is fun. Especially, Have they told you that the game is fun? Yeah, we've gotten yeah. a lot of very positive feedback. Uh, yeah, even the uh, critical feedbacks have been like, they've been so supportive, and it's been a lot of fun. And the main reason why that's our goal to get that is because either we grew up here or we moved here. Raleigh's kind of home to us, the Triangle area. Uh, and we want to really tend to the gamers in this community. And if we're going to release games to you guys, we want it to be a game you want to play. So really getting everybody's input now really helps us make sure like this is at this point kind of a game that you sort of got to help shape and mold yourself and that's really important to us to make sure you know the stuff that's hitting the market is stuff that Riley wants to see. Chris, Matt, you got anything? Yeah, so kind of along the same lines, um, it's an it's a avenue for us to get some feedback from actual users opposed to some biased feedback from friends and family. Um, you know, we had a Kickstarter go off, we funded that, but a lot of that being that uh, it's tough to get, get the word out as an indie game was family and friends supporting it. So this is a good avenue to come out and uh, get feedback from users, um, have the game get pushed out to them and, and let them spread the word a little bit and at the same time make some contacts, maybe uh, meet some new developers and new, uh, new designers. Anything down here? Adam? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of like what he was saying, networking is always awesome. It's cool to meet all these different kinds of people. And game developers, I mean, we're not really in competition with each other because most of our games are a lot cheaper than 60 bucks. Yeah. So I can kind of, you know, you can buy all of our games and still not go broke. So I kind of like just kind of, yeah, your game's cheap especially, and good. Especially mine. Mine's free. I mean, I don't know. Oh, there you go. Free. Look at that. So we're not even competing being. with that. So, yeah, networking is, is always fun. So that's probably, that's what I'm here for. Are, are, we, are you here to make money? I'm here to make money. I'm sorry. I lost track of the mic, so I didn't know where that sound was coming oh, yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, I'm, I'm here to, to get users so that we can make money for our game, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I, th I think, like, I think a lot of people would say, like, yeah, if I had the option, I would like to be paid for this, but, I mean, but some people, some people have that hobbyist aesthetic, like, I, I know devs that are very much like, all right, I tried making the money thing, and I don't think I'm very good at the making the money thing, so I'm just going to make these games and make them as good as I want them to be, and then... Maybe the money will come, or maybe it won't. So uh, I think what I'm here for is kind of, kind of, I'm kind of like you guys. Like, I've, you know, I'm not really here for the money. Like, that's good. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with making a buck or two off a game. But really, it's more of having fun and showing fun. Like, one of the big uh, aspects of analog data is uh, one of our big key things is having fun, making games fun again. Uh, back at our studio, we have uh, the former CEO of Nintendo. His name like slips my mind for some reason right now. But uh, his, one of his most, fam most famous quotes was, um, in my mind, I'm a game developer, but in my heart, I am a gamer. And I, I keep that in my mind all the time, and I sit down, and I look at my stuff, I'm like, would, as a gamer, do I, would, would I want to sit down and actually play this and have fun playing it? And that's what I really think about, and that's what I want to show to you, like, gamers like you guys out here, it's just show fun. Awesome. Wait, you haven't talked, Sam? I'm saving it. Okay. Okay, let's talk about skills. 
for people, maybe there are people in the audience that want to make a game and, and they are kind of afraid because they don't know programming or they don't know uh, this or that. The other thing, they don't know where to start. They kind of look at our games and like, I don't know how you would make something like this. So what would you say would be the most important skill starting out programming? But uh, you kind of go into why you you think that. What, what would help you breaking into this? Okay. Oh. Uh, the most important skill is motivation. And you're bad at anything the first time you do it, so you just do it over and over again until you're good at it. And if you do a little bit of art and programming and design and testing and sound, and then you'll figure out what is more enjoyable to you, which hopefully is what you're most skilled at also. <laughs> so um, there's plenty of free tools. And if you just jump in, doing anything is better than doing nothing and expect it to be bad at first. Uh, what, I, what I would say is um, learning from your experiences because that's what most games are built off of are the developer's experiences and what he is, what they have learned uh, from their life. And so I would learn, what I, what I would focus on is learning from your experiences and just kind of focusing on that to be able to build better experiences for players to play and enjoy. Yeah, and uh, our, from our team, I think a big thing is getting like-minded individuals. So if you're trying to go at that and you're trying to build a team together, uh, you want to get people that have the same motivation, like was said, and have the same mindset of like, we're going to do this game because it's fun for the player, and then we'll figure out a way to make some money out of it. Like I said, we're trying to make money, but at the same time, we're gamers, and we're not going to put a, a crappy game out there. We want to make a good game for people because that's how we're going to make our money is people playing it. I guess since I kind of represent the non-digital side of the panel or whatever, um, if you don't know programming, pull out the sheets of paper, start, you know, make it a car game, make a tabletop game. I mean, there's so many things you can do, and at the very least, that helps the creative flow go a whole lot quicker, and you can start get start to get like an idea of what type of game you want to make before you sit down in front of you know Unity or whatever type of language you might want to use and just get overwhelmed with trying to figure out how to script it. You know, make your game first, uh, paper version of it if you want to, or concept version of it, and then kind of worry about the rest of it as it comes along. And then there's like so many games out there that like art style can go from black squares to, you know, what we see in uh, AAA title games. So it's like, it's not really about how much, how flashy the game is. It's really about, you know, what exactly you're going to make and is it playable, is it fun, and that, that sort of thing. So don't really get... Um, too carried away with intense programming or intense artwork. So I was just going to say, is there anyone here that has an idea in mind that they might not have the full skill set to carry out that idea, but has an idea? So there's a few hands up. So I think that the best thing to do is, is to talk to people. I love talking about ideas. I don't know. You know, Chris and I, we work on ideas every day, and these are the things that we as a team, if you don't have that idea and that vision together, you're not going to make a good product. Um, your product is only, or your game is only as good as how well you can visualize it and how well your team can carry that out. So um, if you have an idea, uh, I feel free to talk to us afterwards about it as well. Um, if you don't have all the skill sets, we can give you some nudges in the right direction too. Yeah, it is important to have a team and it's important to have a good team because there's been a lot of times where like I've pitched what I thought was a beautiful idea to, you know, my team and they, you know, 
shut it down. Some of them shut down just immediately. And I'm like, no, no, but you know, hear me out here. And then they really give that counter argument of like, all right, this is why that game's not going to work. And without that extra person kind of telling me that, I could have spent a year, two years on making garbage, you know. And uh, that's a good point because your first idea, your second idea, they might not be all that great to begin with. But I think it's important with having your first idea um, just to keep on going with it. Even though some people might tell you it's not the best idea, just go ahead and, and carry it out because you learn so much during that process of actually doing it and finding the people that want to do that with you and carry that on. So um, don't let that deter you. If someone says that's it's not that great, just let that idea evolve. Yeah, um, to that point, on. there's... Um uh, you hear a lot how it's very important to finish a project. It's very easy to start a project. It's very easy to open up Unity or start drawing on a piece of paper. It's like, oh, I want to do this and this and this and this and this. And then you get like a quarter of the way through the idea. And you're like, all right, I'm done. And then you go on to the next idea. But like the, being able to see the full development cycle of something helps out a lot. Um, I'm going to go with team building, but I want to emphasize on someone who can do PR, because if no one knows about your game, no one's going to play the game. So even if you can't do it, find someone who isn't afraid or shamed of running up to people and being like, yo, play our game. Yo, check out our game. Because people got to know about it. People got to know. People got to know, right? People got to play it. Even if it's free, they got to play it, right? I see a lot of games where it's like, nobody talks about it. And I'm like, yo, this is great. Like one guy... He did it, but he's like not very social, which is understandable in this community. Find someone to pimp that game out, right? So uh, the first thing I always recommend is if you have an idea, write it down and start fleshing it out. Um, because a lot of people have ideas. And uh, you know, speaking as a, a programmer who has been on software development teams, um, I know people might debate how much documentation you really need. But uh, one of the things that really sucks is when you're working on a team and people don't write stuff down. So nobody knows what's going on over here because somebody went on vacation or because somebody um, got the information wrong and there was no way to, to write it down and double check. Um, it helps you because it helps you to organize and, and uh, really forces you to think out what your idea is. Um, it helps if you need a team, then you need to be able to communicate an idea. Um, you know, if you write like a, a game design document or something like that, then when you need an artist, maybe you're not a programmer, but not an artist, you can look at your document and boom, 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 you can pull out tasks based on the uh, documentation that you've written. And it's really easy and organized. And we, and we solve that by just not taking any vacation at all. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Players could be something like by forgetting how to write because you just don't write anything down. Communicating telepathically. Yeah, no, it's... It, it's very important and, and even taking that a step farther like just because you wrote it down don't assume that it's communicated well like it's very easy to be like oh okay my ideas anyone reading this gonna perfectly understand what I'm saying here and then nope not at all and, you just, and then that's also what conventions help a lot with because people will be like alright what's your game uh, my game is it's a thing it's a thing that moves it moves real well um, but then over time you get to iterate on your pitch and that helps a lot and that can work into documentation as well. Right. And it can change if, even if you write it down, you know, it's not in stone. But you know, the worst thing is if you, you have an idea and then you like make a change to it and you don't write it down, 
And you're like, oh, dang, you know, I had like a really important thought about that today, but I don't remember now. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, no, we run into that a lot. We, we like to document our requirements and stuff down, and that's helped our designers and our programmers. But at the same time, I got a designer that's thinking one thing when it's written down and a programmer thinking something else. So you got to make sure that your team is on the same page, too. So you want to look for somebody that can really communicate the idea appropriately to everybody as they, they write that down, whether that's through uh, uh, actual text or figures and, and diagrams. Anyone else on this question? Anyone I was, else? Yeah, I was just going to add, um, I would draw, draw it first. I mean, I know it's, and like Chris said, a picture says a thousand words. I mean, just drawing your idea out on paper, I mean, you, everyone in the audience is like, yeah, we already know this, so... Yeah, I can draw. <laughs> just, just, draw. just draw, color it in, make it. Because right when, if, if someone asks you what is your idea for a game, you can just show them that picture, and it, it says a lot about what what your idea is. And then you can take that picture and get get a, a programmer, a designer to work that out, um, and that how that works too. There's, there's a good example of that there's an interview with uh, Todd Howard from Bethesda on a uh, Glixel, and they had him. Uh, they were like, okay. What did you do for Skyrim? And he bought like a like a tiny barbarian maquette and just put it on someone's desk. And he's like, that's Skyrim. And then every time they would have to go back to the idea, he's like, that's Skyrim. Did he also have a potted plant that was halfway through a wall? <laughs> no, it was, actually, it was actually a dresser that they wanted to make a table, so they just pushed it through the floor. <laughs> okay, so I think, I'm pretty sure like everybody one of, up here has this have a folder for ideas. Like, if you're working on something and it just doesn't work out, don't delete it, save it, put it in a folder, and leave it. Because later on, you're gonna be like, oh wait, I had made something a while back. And you can pull it up and you can put it in something else. I have, like, I don't know how many layers of stuff from games, music, art, like all kinds of stuff, videos of just stuff I've worked on and never completed, but I still reference back to it for things I could use in new stuff because just you just, in an industry like this, nothing can go to waste. It just can't be used at that moment. You just got to find the right moment to use it. All right, so one uh, kind of a major question I wanted to ask is, um, Everyone was, we kind of touched on PR and marketing and like kind of in, in communicating your ideas and stuff. And um, I, th I think we've all familiarized ourselves with the term indiepocalypse at this point in one way or another. Sam seems very happy. Uh, so, so in light of so, indiepocalypse, so like the concepts, uh, if for those you don't know, it's like the idea that there's so many indie developers at this point that we're kind of like, we're just, it's just a flood. It's just, a, a t <laughs> no, add more. Uh, I think Greenlight is to blame. Definitely Greenlight. Well, Steam Direct's going to help that out a whole lot, I'm, I'm sure. But so in light of that, in light of like this deluge of people that want to go indie and want to make their products and their, and their dream ideas, how would you, how do you hope to achieve differentiation? What's your goal to stick out from the group? We want to be the loudest. No comment. <laughs> I, um, I have to. I, oh. I work with these guys. I have confirmed. to say that is true. Yeah. That is confirmed. They okay. want, always want to be the loudest. For me, uh, especially on this lower level, since like we're still very uh, small, and as you get bigger, I guess it's 
might not go away. I don't really know. I don't have that experience yet. But is being very honest with your community when they say, oh, this is like that game, then more than likely that comparison they're making is to a game that they already like. And you can sort of reference those similarities, but then kind of pinpoint out the key differences. Like, for example, we're doing a, uh, the card game, and uh, I asked them, are you familiar with card games? And if they say they are, they say, okay, a lot of these mechanics are going to look very familiar to you. And then and I'll ask them, are you very familiar with card games? If they're very familiar, that's tell them that you're going to see some crucial differences that really stands this game apart from the rest. Whereas if someone from the outside, like if they're not a gamer at all, and they come up, Magic looks just like Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh looks just like Potentia. That's Potentia's our game. And they all look basically the same. But, um, yeah, just being honest with them, saying, yeah, that's, that's a very similar mechanic to that. Um, and those are sort of mirrored to each other, but this is sort of something that we're doing different. And if you're the type of player that's looking for that, then this is maybe a healthier alternative for you. I, I want to take a quick tangent and just kind of poll you guys to see what you are. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um, People who have not made a game before but think it's maybe cool and you want to try it. Hands? Okay. Uh, people who have... Uh, are yeah, I'm glad you all delineated yourself to that side of the room. Thank you That's for doing interesting. that. That's interesting, yeah. Okay. Uh, for people who have um, worked on projects before, maybe um, you have one or two ship titles, uh, indie projects. Okay. Um, People who will work at studios that are bigger, maybe 50-plus people? No? Okay. Yeah. I kind of figured as much, honestly. Okay. Sorry, Jacob. Uh, people who it's thought no this was a different panel and are very confused. <laughs> Wait, Those what? of you showed up late to the Rocket League <laughs> tournament? Okay. What demographic did I miss? Oh, people in how about people who make games or want to make games but find it too tough? So the most part, it's people that are interested in, in, in starting this or have an so idea. So we'll all turn our chairs this way. Yeah. <laughs> so you Thank guys you can go. <laughs> Thank you. So I guess uh, back to that question, though. Um, from our standpoint, uh, what I try to do is get our team to realize that anything we put out to the public is going to say something about our company. So... We want to make sure that it looks presentable, it looks professional. Uh, just because we're indie doesn't mean we don't have to look like we're, we're a good company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that goes from a theme that you carry out through, throughout your whole game, well, whether it's a color scheme or, or, or a font or something like that, to, um, you know, templates that go out to, to your email list. I was just going to add that it's, it's not about competing, I don't think, with indie developers. I think developers in general and technical people we think we can carry the world on our back and do it all ourselves. And I think that indie developers as a group, it's not just a job. It's we all want to do something we love to do. So once we can kind of connect on that level, I think that the most important thing is, is partnerships and partnering with other smaller businesses and smaller uh, indie gamers that have the same passion and think that like we do. Um, so, and that makes it really con uh, easy to connect and, and do something together and cooperate with each other. Yeah. And you see that a lot when I was, I was doing the panel earlier with uh, Tim, Chris, and, uh, and uh, John for the guys that run Playthrough. And they're even from that perspective as well. Just like, you got to start at the smallest level and just try to communicate your stuff. I don't know from um, 
if you guys like have development communities like outside your company, like if you have like uh, groups that you kind of meet and do like showcasing and stuff like that. But I know we do in the area I'm from, and it helps a lot. And if you don't have one, and or if you can't find one, then just make one. Because I mean, I I guarantee if you're like, all right, we're gonna do it like a a game dev collective here or like a game jam. We're just going to meet and make games. People are going to show up. I think also, um, you pl- like play to your strengths, you know, like everybody doesn't have to be doing the same thing. You know, like I said, for me, my big thing is I'm a good teacher. Everybody's told me that. So, you know, if, I might not have like the biggest, baddest game out there, but you know, if, is there a way that I can spin it where I, you know, people can learn from it, even if it's like, okay, you played this game now, you know, here's how to make it or something like that. You know, that, that kind of can stand out too, you know? And if there's, if, if there are like niches, niches or, or things that you um, don't see, I, I know there's like a lot of different cultural um, uh, uh, things or, or different cultures or different um issues that you might not necessarily see in games and you might say hey well nobody's really talked about this why don't we do something like that you know that's like a perfect i think spinoff for a a unique game all right first off i want to say uh those who are actually interested in making games do you know what extra credits is thank you okay those who don't know what it is go on youtube like right now and subscribe to them you will well i mean not right now like not during the after the panel but you have smartphones at some point, subscribe to them because you will learn so much from them. People who are, they were actually people who actually worked in the industry. They know what they're talking about. And one of the things they com- uh, talked about, uh, which I just love, was they talked about the game uh, Spec Ops The Line. Okay. And it starts off, it, it's, it's a good game, first off. You should play it. And it starts off seeming like that generic shooting gallery, gallery FPS that we all know and love, you know, Call of Duty, Battlefield, all those. But it ends up focusing on something like very real uh, to, to the real world. And that's, I think that's what really set that game apart from every other kind of FPS out there was they had, had a focus in their game. So that's one of the things you should do with your games is have a focus with your game. Because if you don't have a focus, well, first off, your game can become very complicated, uh, which makes it kind of un- maybe not unplayable, but just not fun to play. But it also makes it very hard to follow. So if you have a focus in your game, you can make it easier to play, more fun to play. But it also sets it apart from other games that are in the industry. Cool. Uh, quick acid test. Do we have any questions in the audience right now? Got a couple. Got a couple. One, two, three, four. Um, give them mind. the mic. Give them the mic. Yeah. Give them the floor. Yeah. If you don't mind using the floor mic, if you have a question, we can start rolling uh, people's questions in. Huh? So, uh, hey, 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 what's what's your name? What's your name? Donovan. Donovan. What's up, Donovan? Uh, I was wondering, uh, what do you use for your uh, influences that aren't in the video game industry, like? history and other cultures in the real world. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that question for you in case you didn't pick up. Um, what are your influences for your games outside of uh, other video games? So history and culture, is that what you said? Yeah. Focus specifically on Does music count since you're a mi- rhythm-based rail shooter? Yes. Music. Our, uh, our main developer slash boss, David, he's actually a, uh, a fiddler. 
and uh, he's put a lot of that into his game. He did the uh, the whole algorithm, so it's awesome. So music, obviously, is a is a big one for us. I lost my train of thought, so somebody else go before I can. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, history is a big one, especially for our role play system. Um, Chandler Landis is kind of the guy that's writing a lot of the lore that goes along with that, and. With that being said, it is a fantasy world. It's not Earth. So there's some things that you don't have to adhere to. But, you know, when you start to sort of discuss, like, how does war happen, like, in, like, a medieval-type setting, you know, or what what type of precautions do people have to make, like drinking natural water out of a river and things like that, um, are very important to kind of figure out. Just go ahead and look at real-world example. Look up the historical evidence on what we had to do if on Earth. So that when we make a system for the characters in the game, it's something that is not only relatable, but um, it kind of takes a lot of the work out of it for you because you don't have to make up a reason why you know the water might be poisonous, you know, because it's there already in our own history. Alright, so uh, kind of like what I was saying earlier about experiences, a lot of uh, a lot of developers uh, like me like to pull on from experiences they had in their life. Uh, to put it in their games, um, may, maybe like they've had a, a traumatic event. Like there was a guy I cannot remember uh, who he, what his name was, um, but he started a game company after he literally almost died from bleeding out. And what he wanted to do was share that experience with people. Ended up teaching them about all kinds of stuff and he created a game game studio and a lot of a ton of games off of his experiences in life and that's what you should a lot of things in in the game industry is based off of is just experiences i'll go ahead and go uh at one point i was an art student in college and i feel like the most important class i probably took was art history because it allows you to talk about visual things it's very easy to be like oh i like that oh that's cool that's really cool. I like that. But it's much more difficult to explain why you like something or like to communicate what specifically you like, especially like aesthetically or visually. So however you want, especially in, in games and other visual media, taking an art history course or just being able to communicate things, that's what I drew from. So like you get to understand all of these art movements and things like that. And, that, and I draw a lot from that, not because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to make a game based off of Dadaism, but like I can I can communicate what that is. So when I make so like, you know, my game has a very geometrically stark color palette um, aesthetic, I can I'm able to communicate what that means. I think there's next one qu more question out there. Next question. Yeah. Uh, use mic, man. Hi, my name is Alan Martin. Thanks for doing the panel. It's great. Well, thanks um, for coming. My question to you is which do you find more difficult? The the graphics and the the programming and sound, or is it theme and story and continuity? Can I, can I take that to so, start? So three big things or three other big things? Which was more can, difficult? Can I take that to start? Yeah. So um, I think the, the PR aspect of it, honestly, from our game is the most difficult. Like you said, getting the word out to everybody. Like uh, we've said, networking and stuff like that, we, we found that, I think, a little bit easier to find people that can that have the skills to do the development, do the sound, do the, the graphics? It's trying to find somebody out of that that air uh, or out of that group that that's good at 
marketing your game out to people so that people actually see it. That's what uh, I think we're we're struggling with the most right now and why we came here and hope that uh, all you guys have gotten a chance to play our game and experience it. So, yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense because, like, in our case, uh, we're more of designers. So, like, making the game hasn't been an issue at all. But whereas since we're not, none of us are particularly artistically inclined, now it's like, okay, we need to, either need to find a friend who's good at art or we need to find some money and pay someone who's good at art. So, so long as you have the resources to get an artist, then that's no, long, that's no longer a problem. Also, if I was just really good at art and no longer a game, I would be an artist. I would just have a bunch of pretty pictures and I wouldn't have a game. So it is, it's definitely about finding the right people to be a part of your team uh, in order to, to pull that off so that neither one of them are hard. I think for me, um, it's really like user experience and um, like user interface. Uh, as a programmer, a lot of times uh, when I would be on, on projects, I was more focused on like the back end, like does, it, does the logic work and not so much of, okay, well, is it easy to navigate or, you know, how, do, how does it look? I'm a, I can be like a very literal person. I'm very much of, of you know, I need specific requirements. You know, and I'll give you specific output based on those that input, which you know you can't always do that when you're talking about something like user experience, because you know it's a little, at least for me, it's kind of like a, a more gray area. And I think a lot of times I, I'm a very introverted person, so I'm very much in my head. So things make sense to me, and I process information in a certain way, but. I'm not, you know, I have to make sure that I can convey that to easily to other people who are playing the game and, and, you know, picking up on things like that, so. Out of all the things that you said, graphics, aesthetic, sound, that can be a, a bit difficult, especially depending on what the game is and what you're trying to accomplish. But I feel like the, the most difficult part is the story because, and the, the dialogue within the game. Because you're not, it, a book, the game is not a book. You got. You have to. It's a, a, the aspect of showing and not telling, because the more you tell, it's just it just ends up being an exposition block, and that's just it's not good narrative. You have to show more in the game because you have those visuals. You know, if if a character uh, is has kind of a, a more tragic back backstory, you know, you want to you want to show that in the way he acts, the way he interacts with people and the way he does things rather than oh I'm, I'm 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 really sad and stuff because this happened to me and let me take you on this flashback a few years ago like that's it could work depending on the situation but most of the time it's just bland and doesn't work at all so it's more of show don't tell and that can be difficult because you have less words that you can use in your narrative um can we take another question do we have to do we have to wrap it up we're good. We're good. I'm getting a shrug. So, all right, we'll take your question. Yeah, say the mic. <laughs> it's okay, buddy. It's just the mic. What's your favorite art style? What's our favorite art style? Art style? I love cartoony art styles. When it makes sense. I honestly like the the cell shaded stuff. I I don't I don't know just the especially the hand drawn. Uh, cell shaded there's just so much work that has to be put into it you know shows effort I definitely uh, prefer a minimalist type art uh, style to things something more geometric but when it comes to design it whatever complements the style of game you're playing I feel like you're playing something more strategic or whatever 
Um, you might see something that's more realistic or something that looks like real world photographs maybe even. Um, and then if you're playing something that's more slapstick and you're sort of messing with your buddies and it's not really to be taken seriously, something more cartoony. So I wonder if it's because of our perspective as indie developers, whether or not we find artists who can fill that role for us easier than artists who can do super detailed stuff, if maybe that's persuade or swayed our opinions. So I got a question for you. What's your, what's your favorite art style? You got to go back to the mic to answer the question. <laughs> I like hand-drawn. Like hand All right, cool. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And now I'm ready to go back to question one and answer it. Uh, why am I here? It's for the uh, glory and the fame. Oh, understandable. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Yeah, I think with that we have to wrap up. But thank you for staying here. All right, let's give a round of Look applause for our indie game developers. <laughs>